Cheers to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Do you know what today is, Ben? <laughs> Why is today different from all other days, Adam? Because it's it's inescapably May the 4th. No shit. It is, which means uh, everyone is, everyone is saying the phrase that pays today. Yeah, the uh, the I, I can only imagine what social media feeds are are looking like. Of course, we're recording this way back in April, but if you're in Spain and you say it the way a Castilian would, is yeah. it just like that's how everyone says it there? <laughs> yeah, right? They, it's a. Uh, you know, they speak English, but just with a lisp. You've <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. always said that, Ben. Star Wars really pissed me off recently. Oh, uh, how did it do that? How, what is, can you enumerate the many ways it's disappointed you? I decided I wanted a new video game to play because I was bored of all my old video games. And I, uh, I put up a, a tweet say, uh, asking for suggestions. Uh-huh. And a game... And that's also, I just want to say, a terrible idea. Probably the biggest ratio I've ever gotten on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and you know, most mostly very helpful. But I, I specifically said I wanted an older game that wasn't $60 because I didn't want to spend $60 on a game. That's really the magic number. Yeah. So I, a game that happened to be on sale when I asked this question was a game called Jedi Fallen Order, I think. And um it's like a it's like kind of Tomb Raider style game where you're kind of there's there's a lot of like jumping and grabbing onto a ledge you're, and you're booby Indiana Jones. Yeah. But but like that that style of adventure game where you're it's a third person game and you're like going into dungeons and solving puzzles, but there's also quite a bit of um, you know, jumping and and swinging off of a vine or whatever what's this called again jedi fallen order is it is is it sort of like uncharted except star wars very very similar to uncharted in in terms of gameplay Mm -hmm. and i started this game on like the second hardest setting there are four uh difficulty levels available uh and i set it on the on this you know the the one one up from the bottom (laughs) in terms of level of difficulty because I'm not a great video game player, but I also don't want it to be on baby mode. The, and, the middle one is where you want to be most often. Yeah, normal. Like if if there's three, I always pick normal, not easy, not hard. And uh, I picked I picked like, since there were four, I picked the one in the lo- lower half of normal. And I found the game to be very challenging for me and i was i was getting killed way too often my guy kept dying and so at a, at a certain point i realized like okay i i need to like level my guy up a little bit to to advance in this game you clearly didn't spend enough time picking herbs and stuff not a lot of herb picking there's there's a a very very small amount of herb picking in this game and uh, and so I, I just switched it down to easy mode. I, I put it on baby mode. <laughs> and I was starting to have a little bit more fun in the game. And I was like, okay, like I think my guy is strong enough now. And I switched it back to um, second from the bottom mode. I'm 10, f- 15 hours into the story on this game. And I have gotten to a boss where I cannot beat this boss. Like, like the boss is way, way stronger. And the problem is, like, in baby mode, the bosses are all very easy to kill. And in in slightly harder than baby mode, they are impossible to kill. And, yeah. There's and not I, enough granularity and difficulty. And I can't go back to an earlier save, so I'm just stuck. I'm, I'm stuck at a too hard boss. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's like... 
and it won't let me change the setting when I'm in the boss fight and I respawn in the boss fight. Oh, you pop up right in there. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm very pissed off at this stupid game. You, I'm You you respawn inside the locker that you were stuffed into. Yeah, exactly. I'm angry at the people that suggested I play it. I'm mm-hmm. angry at the people that made the game. I feel like I want to like pay a teen five bucks to come over and beat this boss for me, but I can't. I can't have teens in my house. We're quarantined right now. Yeah, I mean, paying teens is not a good look, no matter <laughs> how you chop it up. No, it's always bad. It always backfires on me when I pay yeah. teens. It it frequently has. Yeah. So, uh, wow. so yeah, Star I... Star Wars is in the doghouse right now, and May the Fourth suck it. <laughs> well, there you have it. One of the great Marins on a, <laughs> on a Greatest Generation episode. Thank you very much, Ben. You're welcome. Yeah, I just had to get that off my chest. Angry at Star Wars. Wow. Well, I was uh, I was sad for a long time at Star Trek as I watched this episode of Deep Space Nine. What do you say we get into season six, episode twelve? Who mourns for mourn? You mourning for mourn for me? <laughs> yeah, we should we should do a, a sidecar podcast that is just about this episode. <laughs> it's you, me, and Adam Scott, and yeah. we're just talking about this episode. And it's a limited series. Are you mourning for mourn? Are we mourn? <laughs> Do you realize how incredible this is? No, of course you don't. This episode opens with Odo yelling some stuff at Morn. Morn. Uh, he's uh, he's got in a shipping shipment of Levanian beets, uh, and you know that Levanians make the fattest beets. Um, <laughs> he's got a shipment in, in uh, cargo bay three, and the and the shipment. Does not go well. It's it's rotting. Why is this Odo's job? Odo works the docks? I guess so. It seems like Odo sometimes has a lot of security dudes that work for him, and other times is the only person that can go around. Maybe Odo, Odo just like grabbed this this gig because he knew it would get him over into Quark's, and he wanted to keep an eye on Quark anyways. That's what I believe. I also want to believe that there's some fallout from what happened during the brief occupation after the occupation where hmm. maybe there's an insurrection among his employees. Maybe they just don't want to be on beat duty. <laughs> uh, seems seems possible. I noticed that uh, Hollow Morn, because this does turn out to be a hologram of Morn. It's a hologram. Hollow Morn looks like he's drinking some tequila. Yeah. Yeah, a man after our own hearts. Holomorn loves that agave stuff. Holomorn's been in the bar for two weeks uh, because it feels like a place people want to gather whenever he's around. This is a feeling you and I know nothing about. <laughs> but but the case that Quark makes is is that the bar's more popular and it and it's bared out statistically. Like he he loses profit. If Morn's not there, the sales take a twenty percent shit when Morn is not around, apparently. And this makes me think that Quark's business model has has a profound flaw. Like if he is relying on one customer for twenty percent of his business, like he needs to get like a key man insurance policy on Morn. I understand the disappointment that he's describing, though. Like. When I go to my local and my favorite bartender isn't there, that kind of stings. Yeah. You know, it's not the same. But you also don't want to be the guy that, like, goes to the bar and goes like, hey, is is Jeremy working? You don't want to be that guy. And so I'm not. (laughs) You don't want the bartender to be put in a position of giving you bad news. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So the idea of a hollow morn is made uncomfortable pretty quickly here because when Dax enters the bar, she is momentarily horrified by what she's seen. Yeah. And that's because the news she's there to deliver is that his cargo ship was caught in a storm and Morn is dead. Cisco says turn it off to the to Quark, like turn off the yeah. hologram. And I thought it was an interesting choice that they don't show the hologram sh- 
switching off. Yeah. I kind of feel like that would be like a really dark thing for the ball to experience, right? Like yeah. lo- looking at this. Like the end of Tasha Yar's funeral. Yeah. When, when she sort of phases away. Yeah. Like I, I understand why they didn't show it, but I also think that like there was an interesting idea to explore there, which is like you can live in a world where the perfect physical representation of the person that just died can can stay sitting at the bar for as long as you want, but we're not going to because that's like disrespectful. I don't know. Like it, it was like an interesting like future tech, like moral implications of future tech question that I had. You know, your uh, your description of that made me think of that commercial I want to say it was like 10 years ago, there was a Super Bowl commercial where there was like a vacuum cleaner company and Fred Astaire was dancing with the vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah. And there was a big to-do about it because it it raised all sorts of of questions about, I mean, how appropriate it is to use the, I mean, whether or not it's approved by the family or not, the... To, to use dead actors in yeah. in either films or or commercial properties yeah and and it seems related to this thing that that quark might have to confront here shortly upon the death of a, a beloved patron you know this is a very short cold open in this episode I think we go to commercial at like the minute and 45 second mark or something like that yeah it's and, really bracing and uh and I thought that, like, if if they wanted to, you know, like, the, that's not always true, right? Like, the cold open can be up to four minutes or something like that. So, yeah. what if what if they had Quark throw a switch and then them all, like, re-contemplate the death of Morin in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, this is our bummer cast about death. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek Bummer Cast. <laughs> It's what we're all thinking about. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. They held a memorial also in the bar. A very Cheers choice. Yeah. Uh, for a very Cheers character. I love seeing everyone appreciate him in their own way. There are like the many vectors of mourn <laughs> apparent here, you know? Like yeah. he touched everyone's lives. It's great. Yeah. And like lots of on, you know, lots of main cast characters, but also lots of other characters like the there's discussion as people are walking to the bar of like what's what more meant to them there's a lot of like mourn retcons he sparred with Worf. he had hair once everybody's uh-huh. bringing food because the lurian custom is you bring food so that the dead can like go into the afterlife with uh, a lot of stuff to eat i guess yeah lurian stovacor is is one big buffet right <laughs> Yeah, and uh, no Star Trek buffet would be complete without a big roasted turkey. So that yeah. is definitely there at Quark's Bar, and it's a, it's a pretty quick little memorial service. Quark is the only one that speaks. This was his home. I want to say before Quark said anything, I was totally setting myself up for like Morn faking his own death and this being like a Tupac Machiavelli thing. <laughs> Like I was immediately suspicious, but but what totally threw me off that scent was when Quark eulogizes Morn so passionately and sincerely. It's an yeah. incredible tribute, and it totally made me believe that he was dead. Yeah, I think that the episode has some fun with that, right? Because like every time Odo interacts with Quark before then, you don't believe that Morn is dead. But then when Quark does that speech, you're like, Morn is in fact dead. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like it kind of felt like season one, Odo and Quark dynamic, but it's so much richer in this episode because of, because of the twists and turns. Yeah, it really is. Morn was always someone we could count on for a cheerful smile. (laughs) Has been given the task of unsealing Morn's will. Like, he's the executor of the will? Is that what we're made to understand? I imagine that that falls to a civil servant in a case where they don't have somebody pre 
ordained in that way. So yeah, that makes sense. Actually, if you don't know where else it should go, you just send it to the captain of the station to deal with. And so Cisco has unsealed that will and it turns out he's left everything to Quark. This is great news for Quark because right before his surprisingly touching eulogy, Quark was complaining to anyone who would listen about the fact that Morn left a pretty big unpaid bar tab. And one thing that is revealed in this episode is that Morn is on a monthly plan with Quark's bar, where he just settles up for his entire month of drinking at the end of every month. That is terrifying to me. If I if I was on a monthly plan with a bar, I would get myself in big trouble, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm definitely glad that, that I have to square up at the end of every night. Uh, remember when I said I'd have to send away to NASA to calculate your bar tab? But uh, the estate is not as rich as Quark initially suspects, right? Yeah, I mean, the suspicion is that Morn is loaded uh, because he can afford his prodigious drinking habit. Right. Among other his reasons. Ha- his, his, his drinking habit that is as prodigious as other things about him. Right. Cork is having this conversation with Odo in, uh, in Odo's office about, like, why, like why doesn't Morn have, like, a big bank account or anything? And Odo suggests, well, maybe, maybe all of his assets were tied up in inventory because this guy had, like, an import-export business. Morn was uh, a mover and a shaker. He right. wasn't... He wasn't just a barfly. He had, like, interests. He's an importer. Importer. And exporter. He's an importer-exporter. He's the CEO who spends every day of the week at the golf course. Right. He's that guy. Yeah. And they run down to the cargo bay to uh, to check out what, what more may have left in terms of uh, illiquid assets. And uh, all he has is four of those big rubber-made storage containers full of rotting beets. He's going to have a hell of a time turning the beets around, Ben. W- wow. <laughs> <laughs> those those look to me like they might be some block rotten beets. Mm. <laughs> Hold on, do I have a third? Quark should really uh, not take custody of those beets. He should let those beets drop. <laughs> All right, there's my three. I'm done. That was good. That was a good rule of three, Adam. <laughs> Golden cotton. The cut. Golden cotton. So. Totally disappointed is Quark that this might be it. He's got hope, though. This can't yeah. be it, right? So Odo's like, well, maybe he's got something in his quarters. We've never seen what the inside of Morn's quarters are. Surely there, there would be wealth beyond all imagination in there. And so when they go into Morn's quarters, they realize the dark secret he's hidden all along. Morn is a hot tub guy. (laughs) He's a use your entire quarters for a hot tub guy. Yeah. You put a hot tub in your living room? And uh, it's not just a regular hot tub. It's a mud hot tub. You never want to put a hot tub in an apartment. Like for mold reasons, that's... That's really asking for trouble. Yeah, like if like Morin is a Cheers guy, but if he had been a Seinfeld guy, he would have learned this a long time ago. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, the the only two things in Morin's quarters are this are this hot tub and a uh, and like a velvet painting of a matador. And this is a great disappointment to Quark, who Odo leaves to soak up the disappointment. Uh, and uh, and once Odo leaves, a uh, a head pops up from the mud. Because uh, cause this is like, this is Morn's bed. Morn sleeps in mud. It's what keeps his skin so clear, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why he looked so great. Yeah. You're just supposed to sit here. And uh, his head pops up. This is a, uh, a topless babe. With, with a little bit of head loaf. I feel like this is the same type of head loaf as the suck disc game purveyor. Good call. What is this? It's a game. Yeah, are they recycling the loaf here? I don't know. You don't want to wipe out the inside of that loaf with a Lysol yeah. rag or something. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's she says she's Morn's ex-wife. Uh, this comes as a big surprise to Quark, who didn't realize that uh, Morn had 
had been married. One of the one of the retcons that we've I guess heard before about Morn, but never seen any evidence of, is, is that he's a real chatty Cathy. He he will talk anyone's ear off if uh, if they give him a, a second of his, of their time. And uh, it's surprising that uh, a guy that likes to shoot the breeze as much as a as Morn is reputed to have would never have let slip that he was once married. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that this woman would be married to Morn at one time. I mean, look at how long she can hold her breath. <laughs> You're going to have to do that to satisfy no. Morn. Quark is excited to meet her. He says, I, I too like to go swimming with mud-covered women. <laughs> is that a, a shanty song? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Famous sea shanty. Uh-huh. Laurel tells Quark that Morn. Laurel, Adam. You should not care what anyone sees when they look at you. On that subject, only my opinion matters. Do you think she's named after the former chancellor of the Klingon Empire? Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> it's a great name. It's a good, strong name. It's a lot of history. Yeah, she calls it Morny too. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. We don't really trust Laurel right away because she wants to talk about money almost immediately, right? That's a, yeah. that's a bad sign. She wants to get in on that sweet, sweet inheritance, and Quark has uh, has to disabuse her that there is any inheritance, and she's like, "You're nuts! It's for sure. It's for sure you're out there somewhere. He just made it hard to find, and I'm going to help you find it, <laughs> and then we're going to split it." Quark is like, cool, I'm going to start by vacuuming out this hot tub because maybe it's <laughs> at the bottom of it. That's sort of the liquid bed version of hiding your money in your mattress, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they really did a good job with this scene. Like there's no, you know how like when you see the golden lake or you see many, many of the Odo liquid effects, it's clear that it's, that it's an effect. Yeah. But there is no mistaking the reality of the mud inside this jacuzzi and it being slurped through uh, <laughs> this pool tool that they're using. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I liked it. You, I, it would have been it would have been a really fun reveal for there to be a big pile of gold at the bottom of that. Yeah, yeah. Because because what we're talking about, I think this is the first time we've heard of this denomination, but. A thousand bricks of gold press latinum. Yeah. An unthinkable amount of money. Yeah, we've got slip, strip, bar, and brick. Those are the denominations. I feel like it's annoying. It it, it would have to be annoying that three of them are very similar sounds. Yeah. Slip, 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 strip, brick. Yeah. Like, throw me, throw me a strip of platinum. What? A brick? What? You run into that all the time. Yeah, the banks are very confused by this. Yeah. Do you think 24th century banks have latinum counters like bill counters and the sound of putting <laughs> a stack of bricks in them is just like the loudest thing you could... It's like a cement mixer filled with rocks. <laughs> Do you think that there are guys at like really high-end... High 24th century casinos that have those belts, those belt attachments that have the yeah. like little dividers for for different denominations of latinum. I do. Except for they're huge because it's got to accommodate bricks in addition to strips and bars. I think we understand this a little later in the episode, but there's a proportionality to the size of the latinum that has to do with how many drops are inside it. Because I think it was it's Dax that says this a little later, like there was a time when people used to pay each other with a dropper. Yeah. And such was the value of the latinum as currency that they, they began suspending the latinum inside worthless gold. Worthless is a, a modifier that is always attendant to the word gold in this episode because the episode needs you to know that no one in the 24th century cares about gold. I really like the backstory to money here in a big way. Which is great. And it was super efficiently told, too. So Laurel pulls out all of the sexy lady tricks on on Quark. She's, uh, she's fondling his earlobes. She's really playing full court press on that dick in order to convince him to cut her in on, uh, on this huge pile of money once he gets his hands on it. And uh, he's, he's, I guess, persuaded pretty quickly. 
by this. I think part of it is that... Oh, I guess he, wa- he wants to stay. He, he doesn't want to get into litigation with her, right? Right. I could contest the will and tie you up in court for years. Right. He wants to avoid the mess of litigation, but there's also a sense that for as many people as there are on the station that, that know and knew Morn, very few really knew him that well. Like he was a he was a guy who was around that did things with people, but Laurel seems like a source of information about him that is valuable at this point to Quark, yeah. who still yeah. doesn't have a good path toward that money. Right. And so they've uh, gone in league with each other and, uh, and Quark downloads a lot of this to Dax over a game of Tongo. And I, I thought that this was a funny scene because Dax is kind of dragging Quark for being so susceptible to the uh, the guile of a woman mm-hmm. and uh, and just believing her because she's a pretty face and illustrating the point by kicking his ass in tango while being a beautiful woman. <laughs> I mean, who would know better about uh, the power of feminine leverage than Dax, who's known it from both sides? Yeah. Nobody would. I don't know, but there's something I don't like about this whole thing. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. So Quark heads back to his apartment after losing his shirt to Dax. Uh, It's quite the opposite of what he was hoping would happen. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) He, uh... Gets back into his room. He sees that uh, someone is there, but the the lights are real low, and uh, he assumes it's going to be a sexy, a sexy visitor in the form of Laurel. But uh, but then this person turns around, and it's a creepy green alien. What a pleasant surprise! We never know the species name of these guys, but they immediately became some of my favorite characters ever on this show. <laughs> <laughs> they have a kind of kindness that is extremely hostile. Yeah. They I think they come from planet slow talk <laughs> because they they always uh they're always very deliberate about every word that comes out of their mouth. They feel especially written, right? Yeah. They are uh former business associates of Morn who uh to whom he owed quite a bit of money. 1000 bricks of gold pressed latinum. I had a feeling you were going to say that. And uh, they're coming to collect on this debt from the estate. And as the executor of the estate, uh, they would like Quark to square this up. Uh, Of course, they don't have any documentation of the loan, but it just happens to be a thousand bricks of latinum that they want. So Quark does a pretty good job in negotiating that number down off of the entire 1,000 bricks. They settle for half. I think it's pretty good. 30%, that's fair. Half. I meant 33. I meant half. And a third. Half. I mean, it's good for these dudes. You know, they're getting pennies on the dollar for for what they loaned out, but it it gets them a lot closer to being made whole, I guess, than they would otherwise. Right. But we're also like keeping our mental tally of what Quirk's piece of the pie is. And at this point, he's down to 40% of total, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a weaker script would have telegraphed the ending being Quark being in hock to so many people that he gets nothing. Right, yeah. And I also think a weaker script would have made these guys more obviously, like, made the lie more obvious. Mm -hmm. They happen to feel like they're owed this money, and that feels like the lie rather than what the real lie is. Yeah. because the, I mean, this money is supposed to have come like the 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 thousand bricks in question are supposed to be from the Lesepian lottery winnings that that Morn won, and so this uh, like you feel like this is a lie in that they probably didn't in fact loan him money or this amount of money or like the the lie is just it's too convenient that it happens to be one thousand bricks right. specifically, not that they like are part of a heist that stole this amount of money. Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. It's interesting that it's the number that's suspicious and not the people, because when you're Quark, you can't do background checks on the people that he's interacting with. 
He's, right. he's put in a really interesting circumstance where he sort of has to believe these people until he's mm-hmm. given a reason not to. And he has to wear that painting around his neck until they leave the room. Right. One of Morn's most treasured possessions. But when he takes it off of his neck, he finds that uh, in inside of the uh, the fabric upon which the matador was painted, there is an isolinear chip. What do you think is on it? It's a claim a claim slip, Adam, for a, a storage locker in the station assay office. Uh, the money's got to be in there, then, right? Yeah. Unf- People who are really sad about the donkey bootied Hanshu being destroyed in the last episode are going to be really excited to see what the assay office is. Yeah, as as excited as those people are is how disappointed Quark is that he has to have this box opened in the security office with Odo watching. Yeah. It's the rules. <laughs> I mean, there is like the potential for gloating here because Quark would, would like Odo to see him suddenly become very wealthy, but uh, that's not what happens because the lockbox that show up is decidedly micro in size. Yeah, I mean... Morn couldn't even fit the tip of his penis inside this. Well, sometimes good things come in small packages. It's a real treasure hunt, though, because it's it's just the one brick, but inscribed on the brick is an account number and the name of a bank. So Quark's adventure continues. It's a, it's yeah. a wild latinum chase. I'm going to contact the bank and let them know Morn's legal heir would like his latinum delivered as soon as possible. Quark is super buoyant when he runs into Laurel and she tries seducing him again. And uh, he again capably turns her down and then heads for the lift. And that's that's where he realizes that he's been pickpocketed. He's got a light touch. That's what he likes. And she's making... A play like, I need to motivate you to find this money. And he's like, I am the greediest character on this show. You don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, look at me. I'm turning down (laughs) sex for money. (laughs) Yeah, like that hot tub scene where she like, you know, like the camera cuts to the reverse angle and she brings the boobs up out of the mud. Yeah. So that he can see them. She dumps them onto the side of the hot tub. He is not distracted by them at all. No. Because... They're already onto the subject of money. And uh, do you think when you're a Ferengi, you're desensitized to nudity because that's just what you see all the time? Oh, interesting. I don't know because the the Ferengis are always also so horny. Like Lawaxana could always get out of a pickle with a with a Ferengi in charge of a starship hmm. by touching touching the ears a bit. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. You know what they should have brought is like a little kid to say, I want the gold pressed platinum. I want it now, 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 now. That gets Ferengi's moving. (laughs) Quark isn't too upset by the idea of the brick being lifted from him because he remembers the account number. And so he's doing that thing where he's trying to remember his locker code by just repeating it over and over. He's saying it out loud to himself uh, to commit it to memory when the two green aliens crowd onto the elevator with him, preventing him from getting off. (laughs) And terrorize him with their politeness. My brother has something he wants to say to you. One of them slams him up against a wall and holds him there while the other apologizes for breaking a painting over his head. It's great. Yeah. I love it. No hard feelings. It's nice of you to be so forgiving, Quark. Don't mention it. So they let him go, satisfied that their apology has been accepted. And uh, (laughs) Quark kind of... Accepted at gunpoint. Right. Uh, Quark, still remembering the account number, goes back to his quarters and begins to contact this bank. And that's when a weapon is put to his back from off screen. Making withdrawal, Quark? Let me guess thousand bricks of gold pressed latinum this is a security official from the lurian homeworld which is which is what morn is so i had a question is this guy also a lurian and if that's true what the fuck happened to morn (laughs) it's not also a lurian 
uh, because you don't dare cover up Gregory Itson's face and makeup. You let that thing see the light of the set. He's uh, he's one of the all-time that guys, isn't he? He really is. He's in a thousand things. A lot of Star Trek things. Yeah. Yeah, and again, for as many Star Trek things as he's in, they don't cover his face. No. He always looks great. I'm, I think he may be a Lurian, and Lurians look like humans, and Morn is just a very fucked up one. Morn pickled himself in the muddy hot tub, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's my that's my theory. Until we see another Lurian. So this guy with the gun is named Hain, and uh, he's Lurian security, and he has come carrying an extradition request for Quark. Yeah, Quark is in big trouble with uh, with the Lurian government. He seems very he- official. Yeah, he was trying to receive this stolen property, and Quark is like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's it's lottery winnings from the Lesepian lottery, and Hain actually disabuses Quark of this. It was actually the money that was given to Morn as the crown prince of Luria. Morn was a prince? You didn't know? So much about this reads as credible. I think part of it is Gregory Itzen. I yeah. think another part of it is like someone with a uniform and a weapon using political and legal nomenclature like reads as credible, right? I guess so. Like I wondered I wondered from the other side like if I was if I was this guy and I wanted to go convince Quark to give me this pile of money, like would I come up with mm-hmm. a gambit like this where I'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to put on this type of cop outfit and go like stick a gun in the back of his neck and explain it this way. Right. Would I like, it's a very complicated scheme and it only gets more complicated when he realizes that the two green guys and Laurel are also on the station. Right. keeps telling this guy more and more bad news it's a great moment because <laughs> because by explaining himself quark is is weaving the story together in front of him and hayne does not like what he's seeing we've got the ex-wife the brothers involved uh and hayne is like you know what i think i can take care of the rest of these folks but you need to keep trying to call the bank and i'm gonna i'm gonna work these other angles yeah like so, so quark is out of the kind of trouble he was in before but he's going to uh he's now going to like basically turn state's witness and get a 10 percent payout for helping this dude apprehend these criminals yeah and uh his percentage is really taking a dive yeah but it's still it's still a big old pile of money right Mm -hmm. it's still more than we've ever heard him talk about 10 bricks 10 percent of the bricks oh that's right 10 percent of a thousand is a hundred so it's a hundred bricks it's a big number. I just did that thing that one of the uh, one of those green aliens do. They get the math wrong. <laughs> it's okay. That's the kind of meta humor that people come to expect from this show. Yeah, that's good stuff. The, it was pre-planned. At Quark's Bar, O'Brien... This is fucking spectacular. ...is working at the bar. Like, yeah. doing engineering there. F- fixing a giga... An optronic relay or something. They're keeping Morn's seat warm. Like the like the the culture of Quark's bar has agreed that somebody has always got to be sitting in that seat in honor of Morn now. And uh, O'Brien is pulling a shift by doing some of his routine work at Quark's. I thought that this was kind of an interesting scene because it it's just a quick little interaction between Bashir and O'Brien about about that. I'm keeping Morn's chair warm. Ah, good man. But it seems to sort of be there to establish that the Starfleets are totally oblivious to all of these shenanigans and hijinks that Quark is involved with. Mm -hmm. But those aren't really the two characters that I would think would be clued in on what Quark is up to. Yeah, this is a strange scene for that reason exactly. I thought at least one of them would look down at Morn's seat and see that it was it had a pronounced bowl shape to it and kind of a horseshoe <laughs> configuration where the the front is cut out. It's like a, it's like when Homer gets up from the the couch and yeah. you see that he's like he's like carved a groove in it. My groove. 
Woof. His bar stool looks like a the impression of a horseshoe crab, right? <laughs> yeah. Or just like there were like where there's normally two divots for legs, there's three on Morns. <laughs> you know, just to make it more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really need like all these little details about Morn's dick are <laughs> are things that we want. They're sadly omitted from this episode. Yeah. I like the spirit behind Morn's seat will always be warm though. That feels good. That's that seems like the the future version of the plaque of today that you find at a bar memorializing a yeah. beloved patron loved for his wit and his dong <laughs> Morn sat here later on quark finds laurel in his quarters and then it's like assembly line lock picking like yeah. he's in there and then more people are picking the locks and then that's the brothers who enter and then the door chimes again and it's hain you should invest in a better lock and now we get the promise we get the payoff of what had been hinted at before. Everyone's in the same room. Yeah, all of these guys are looking for the same magical big round number of bricks of latinum. And now they're all in the same room together. And the money is on its way, right? Like there's a there's a Bolian transport coming from Bolius where the, where it was in the bank and they've got to they've got to whack it up. But what becomes clear here is that everyone in the room knows everyone else. And Yeah. Immediately, Quark believes himself to be the victim of a very, very terrible game at his expense, at his yeah. very literal expense. The uh, the scales sort of fall from his eyes, and what becomes clear is that these guys were sort of a crime syndicate. Essentially, Morn and these and these people uh, pulled an Italian job together, and now they're all trying to kill each other for. A hundred percent of the loot. Right. Right. This big heist had a statute of limitations that expired two weeks prior. The timing couldn't be better. The timing couldn't be better. And as far as anyone knows, the money is still there to be whacked up. So if one of them can eliminate the rest of them, they, they can get the whole amount. Right. Right. They decide instead of killing Quark to keep him alive so that he can accept the payment for them. And so chopping it up five ways doesn't seem that like that bad of a deal because that's how they would have chopped it if Morn were alive. Right. And uh, and that means 250 bars to everyone. A thousand bricks of latinum split five ways. Right. <laughs> we cut to the bar. Like, here's the thing. Like, the transport is, is on its way, but what are they going to do in the time that it takes for the transport to get there? They can't let each other out of their sights. So right. they go to the bar where the four are on the rail and Quark is behind the bar just chilling. Yeah, they're they're just keeping an eye on each other so nobody nobody can, you know, get the drop on the rest of them and, and run off with this money. There's no honor yeah. among thieves, right? It's the subtle Mexican standoff we get literally later. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they uh, they sort of use this time to talk about Morn. Like the the uh, the painting of Morn is still there. They talk about how weird it was that Morn sat where he sat as a thief because he uh, he always had his back to the door. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a he's not a Jason Morin, that's for sure. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. Well, he he always had like a shiny uh, teapot in front of him, so he was like looking in their reflection and sizing everyone up that way. Morin can run ten miles flat out without getting winded. He can <laughs> he can fuck four women at once for yeah. like three days straight without getting tired. At this altitude, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Morn, morn, morn. Dude, sweet. Morn, morn, morn. Evening, everybody. Morn, stop. Hammer time. Odo comes in and he's like, What gives? Why is the bar closed? What suspicious ass shit are you up to, Quark? And, uh,. Quirk explains it as we're uh, we're we're old friends of Morn. We're just commiserating in here, and uh, and the bar is closed while we do that, which is like the least plausible lie, right? Like the idea that Quark would defer commerce for sadness. What's interesting about this scene is that it's so related to the scene a little bit earlier where Quark does something physical to tip off someone 
mm-hmm. that something bad has happened and and that right. doesn't work. And in this instance, by telling exactly the truth to Odo, that's the thing that should raise his suspicions. Right. Like there's no <laughs> subterfuge here. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. They get the word that the shipment has arrived. They head down to the cargo bay. There was some talk of just severing Quark's thumb from him, but uh they didn't they didn't think that the uh that the people working in the cargo bay would let them take take custody of the shipment by uh pushing a a bloody thumb against a, yeah. a pad. This is not Star Trek Picard. This isn't a show that prescribes to dismemberment as a form yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. Uh but they uh, they get this thing, they open it up and it's like a it's like one of those uh, those Rubbermaid tubs that you get for like for putting like dog food. Really is yeah. with the like with the angled uh, opening. Yeah. So so you can scoop it out, and it's just full of fucking gold bricks, man. It looks great in there. It it uh, it's so full of gold bricks, it makes its own light inside. We happy? Yeah, we happy. Uh, and then we get our Mexican standoff. <laughs> we. What a predicament. Everybody pulls guns on everybody. The brothers, the green guys are are even pointing guns at each other. I love this scene because you hear it. You don't see it. It's dirty work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they start licking shots. And I think it's like one of the brothers that fires the first shot. But mm-hmm. like we see like two beams go by before Quark jumps into the box. And then it's all sound design. <sighs> Kill each other. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Odo flips the lid open after he has uh, taken everyone into custody. And he finds Quark in there. Quark Quark believes himself to now be the sole owner of the giant pile of money. But uh, it turns out that this is not, uh, not as valuable as he thought. Because it's just worthless gold, Adam. It's fool's latinum. <laughs> just crumbles up in his hands. He yeah. must be really strong to to break gold like that, right? Yeah, because it kind of turns into like gold sand. Yeah. I guess like the the idea is that it's like it's liquid droplets that are, are sort of like suspended within a lattice of gold is mm. how gold press latinum works. So if you don't have the droplets, it suddenly becomes very fragile yeah really sure how like to, gold why would, is why wouldn't it be fragile with the latinum suspended in it if the latinum is still liquid the gold of today doesn't have latinum in it and it's and it's very hard it's not that hard it's one of the softer metals yeah but could you break a gold bar like a could you rip one open like a phone book hmm not me yeah I'm sure so, i'm somebody, somebody in jim shimoda probably could yeah yeah Anyway, Quark is super bummed. There's nothing here but worthless gold. And it's all yours. He thought yeah. he was going to be rich, but he's not. Turns out he's not. And uh, and the one viable bar made it, uh, you know, got got sent away with Laurel. So yeah. he's back to cleaning his bar, a disappointed man. And he, uh, he catches sight of Morn's old spot at the bar. And he gets angry at the seat. He's trying to rip the seat out of the floor. Yeah, you know that thing is has got extra support under it. You can't just rip <laughs> that thing out of the floor. No, the thing is well bolted in in order to keep it upright when all that swinging presumably <laughs> takes place. Right. There's a there's a pendulous effect happening. Yeah. Now there's a pendulous effect happening near the top, <laughs> which means we're gonna have to use these large anchor bolts at the bottom. If we're not careful and don't over-engineer this seat. The fulcrum at the base will bend and eventually break, causing injuries. Now you want to tighten these bolts much like you would the lug nuts on an automobile in a star-shaped pattern going crosswise. (laughs) We're waiting for the local safety inspector to come sign off on this work and then we can cover it over with our floor covering. (laughs) This is a great reveal this moment. Odo comes in and he's like, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe who I have with me. And then steps back to reveal the man. The myth. The mourn. 
He faked his own death. And he's like, hey there, Quark. Good to see ya. Rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Yada-da-da-da-da. Anyways, here's 10% of the loot. I have it in the form of barf. He is Gilbert Gottfried voice, it turns out. <laughs> what a reveal. I ate all of the latinum and it's been in my second stomach. <laughs> Give me a shot glass. I'm going to give you a little bit. You really want to do this? Here. Now. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Do it. So Mark Allen Shepard plays Morn, and he famously has an unmoving face, an almost cement-like face. He's only acting with his eyes. <laughs> yeah. You see a look come over him that is only in the eyes before he yeah. spits the latinum out that looks like a guy about to throw up. I don't know how Mark Allen Shepard does this, but you can see nausea in those tiny eyes. Yeah. It's uh, it's a magic it's, trick that I love. It's very disturbing. It looks like a digital liquid too, right? Yeah. But it looks good. It looks really good. He what kind of glass is this? This is a this it looks a like a tiny cordial glass. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's what it's what you want to drink your latinum out of. So like an ounce and a half of latinum is equivalent to 100 bars because this is uh, this is the 10% of the of the loot that he gives Quark. He knows how many ounces he can produce, Adam. Right. You do not want to turn that thing over in the glass washer and no. uh, and put that glass <laughs> back in service. That's going to be a big mistake. The, the uh, amount of nerves I had over Quark like stumbling with this glass and sending it flying across the room were, were pretty high. I want to know what happens to this. Yeah. Is Quark going to be a rich man for the rest of the series? The episode's over at this point, and so you don't know, but I also want to know what actually happens to this liquid latinum. What does he do with yeah. it? Where does he put it? Yeah. How does he make sure it's safe? He's got that crate full of gold down down there in the cargo bay. Maybe he can like constitute yeah. a hundred bars out of that. Yeah. A lot of things we don't know about that latinum, but one thing we need to decide right now. Did you like the episode, Ben? I did like the episode. It was a, uh, you know, an episode that deals with death, but that isn't a huge bummer, which I appreciated right yeah. now. Yeah. And a quirk-centric episode that has lots of hijinks, but isn't dumb and insulting to my intelligence, which I also appreciated. Like, I think this That's is- uh, not a guarantee, for sure. This is like goofy Star Trek at its best, I think. Yeah. I, they really got the tone right here. And- there are many examples of Quark-centric episodes where that does not work at yeah. all, the tone and the comedy, but uh, they really did it right here. And I think part of, it, part of it is because they aren't trying to be funny. They're allowing the circumstance to be funny instead right. of writing dialogue to be funny or something, you know? Right. They're, they're not writing like big J jokes. Yeah. They're they're just letting the characters be themselves and the and the funniness of those characters shine through. Right. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. You know what else I like, Adam, is priority one messages. Do you want to see if we have any in the inbox? Got to do that. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of P1s here. The first one is of a personal nature. It is from Brady the Breen Biker, Mechatron, and White Noise, the Deaf Death Cat, also fuck. And it is to Benny Bois, that's spelled B-O-I, Atom, that's spelled A-T-O-M, Jun Roderick, Roderick, and the F-O-D, and the rest of the fugging world. I'm, I'm detecting drunken p1 here <laughs> it's really it's really taking all the characters from every possible box right yeah. uh it goes like this confragulations if you am reentering this you have survived another tax year under trump a klingon wedding ain't doing my homies so from finlanders in america what loves ya Wiki Simo, Simona, Hayaha, Best Sniper Ever, Sober Mecca's Turn Go. We have tied the knot. Fat Hair Baby approves this merger, 
and has designated Brady as tonight's Drunk Shimoda. I, I'm actually going to revise this. I'm wondering if this was dictated to, like, speech-to-text, and it's supposed to be Klingon. I mean, <laughs> and you, this was the computer's best guess at what this person was saying? You did an amazing job reading the transcript, if that's the case. <laughs> Brady. I, uh, Brady boy. having more than he should have. Brady having a terrible morning after writing up this message. Never turn your back on a Breen biker, Adam. No. No. <laughs> wow. That... <laughs> really hope you're okay, Brady. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I hope you had some brode. Uh, ben, we have a second priority one message. It is also of a personal nature, though it seems to have been written more soberly. Okay. It is from Biff. It is to psychic predictions and the message goes like this written on april 2020 a european leader will go missing huge Whoa. salsa recall ikea ceo resigns pork <laughs> products price hike bidet sales increase in north america <laughs> oh so this is a biff tannin thing ah that's that's what we're doing here we're doing biff jokes I like We're it. doing Biff bits. <laughs> Biff is holding his fingers up to his forehead and predicting the future by reading in his sports almanac. He's held up his cane with the fist knocker on it and he's tapping <laughs> it against the mic. Indeed. Well, uh, thank you to everyone who got a P1 this week and... Uh, I hope I hope uh, you know this. It's not supposed to have a high lethality rate. Getting a getting a P one on this show, but uh, if you'd like to hazard one yourself, head to maximumfun.org/jumbotron. It's a hundred bucks for a personal and two hundred for a commercial message, and we really appreciate it. Gotta get that, get that gold press Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. I did. Uh, I went for a very obscure Shimoda in this episode because I, th- I felt like Shimoda really abounded here. <laughs> but um, on on the walk that uh, Chief O'Brien and every, everybody else is taking to get to the uh, to the funeral, there's a Bajoran woman in the same kind of uh, uniform that Kira had in season one in the background except for she's wearing like really thick moon boots if you go to uh four minutes and five seconds into the episode you can get a a shot of these thick thick boots that this lady is wearing that uh that do not comport with the other Bajoran characters in this shot who are wearing normal thickness of boot and uh for getting a whoa a a thick ass boot that lady is my drunk shimoda good eye I feel like that's a great tribute to Morn, wearing a, a real thick garment. Yeah. About that. I also have a very random Shimoda bin, and because I have the episode open, I will go ahead and scroll us forward. Okay. It's toward the end of Quark's eulogy. He gestures toward the chair that was Morn's at about the 7 minute and 40 second mark to emphasize his point about wanting someone in this chair henceforth quark goes into the audience and if you're a performer this comes with associated risks Uh, he grabs a random a random to keep the seat warm and this guy does not want to be called up to the stage no (laughs) he (laughs) he is clearly a little bit embarrassed doesn't know quite what to do but that rando that quark pulls out of the crowd and shoves into Morn's seat is gonna be my drunk shimoda this episode yeah that dude is not happy yeah Uh and he's and we cut back to the reverse shot when cisco comes in the room he's still in the seat and he's utterly alone it's it's so much like having a comic do crowd work on you you're on the spot because everyone's looking at that seat for the rest of the the evening right and you got to be in there yeah He's alone and uncomfortable and and playing it for that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice job, that guy. Yeah. Well, Adam, you want to see what we've got coming up on the next episode of The Greatest Generation? Sure do. While you find what the next episode's going to be, I will tell the people that we are currently on square 48 of the game of buttholes. Will of the Prophets. Yeah, you can check that out at gach.biz slash game. And I'll tell them that uh, the next episode is season six, episode 13, Far Beyond the Stars. Cisco envisions he is a science fiction writer encountering racism in 1953 America. Very famous episode of the show. I mean, it, uh, it makes me a little nervous, to be honest. This is supposed to be one of the best episodes in all of Star Trek. It does have that reputation. Um do you, uh, this is a real who mourns for mourn episode <laughs> coming up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty intense, uh, rarefied air we're living in right now. <laughs> You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So our shuttle 
Shuttlecraft could hit a space butthole. It could hit a quark's bar, I believe. Uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and roll it. What do you say? Roll that bone. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. I rolled a three, Adam, and we are on square 51. So still, we've we've avoided the the wormhole, but are still in danger of that quark's bar. But it's a regular old episode for next time. We've managed to crawl back quite a bit of territory after our big tumble. Yeah. A couple of seasons we did that ago. quickly. Yeah. Good job by us. Yeah. Also want to say good job to everyone who supports the show on a monthly basis. If you're interested in doing that, you can go on over to MaximumFun.org slash join. Got to th- say thanks to Adam Ragusia who made our Cisco theme for the Deep Space Nine portion of the program and Dark Materia who made the original Picard song and also Bill Tilly who makes custom trading cards out of every episode. He posts them on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Adam's on it on Twitter at CutForTime. I'm on there at BenjaminAHR and Bill Tilly is on there at BillTilly1973. You and I recognize that most people listen to the show alone. It's what you do when you're embarrassed about a podcast you listen to (laughs) Uh, but you don't have to be alone there are many uh social groups out there waiting for you to join them you can find them on facebook and twitter and uh they're not on reddit certainly nothing good happens on reddit no there's uh, some good stuff on reddit what are the uh what are some of the groups that we that we know and like we've got the gym shimoda spelled with a g those are our, our fitness gym shimodas got the greatest exo cooks sure do there's a uh, there's a parenting sub. Yeah, uh, I know there's an LGBTQ group of uh, of of Shimode out there. Yeah, those uh, those are all uh, Facebook subgroups, and uh, yeah, great great group of people over there. Yeah, so seek those fine folks out and uh, and make some new virtual friends in a time where the only new friends you can make right now are probably the virtual ones. Indeed. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which will fail to live up to its reputation. (laughs) Fuck. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.